Welcome to the Bring It Home Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzara, and here we talk about your life, your story, your purpose. Yes, I'm your host, Matt Kinzara. Great to be with you. As always, excited for the interview that we have lined up today. Uh, before we get there, a uh, couple things. Just uh, just a reminder. Just a reminder. If you want to keep track of things that are going on, go to mattkinzera.com. Also, hey, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've requested this. And for some reason, I was thinking about it this week. So I'm just going to throw it out there because I probably haven't mentioned this in two years. But if you are listening to this on whatever space you're listening to it in, um, Apple Podcasts, what have you, it's helpful if you rate the podcast. It's also helpful if you write a little review in there uh, right now because I haven't even mentioned it. Uh, you know, like the latest reviews are getting not so recent. So if you don't mind, jump on there, write a little review. That would be great. Speaking of reviews, if you've read the book, Bring It Home, and you haven't put a review on Amazon, please do that also very helpful. And if let's keep going, right? If you haven't even read the book, for crying out loud, get your hands on the book and check it out. Now, that book is uh, is a labor of love that I wrote because I just always knew I was supposed to write it like so many, that's like so cliche, right? But I just knew I was going to someday write a book about my upbringing, and then I did. And then I put it out and it's called Bring It Home. And really the hope of this book has nothing to do with me sharing. Well, that's not true. It has a lot to do with me sharing my story. Has has to do with me being brave enough to share my story with the hopes that the people who read it will not only enjoy it and not only laugh and not only cry because most of the people that have read this book have said there's moments when I laugh, there's moments when I cry. And that's kind of the dream, right? As a storyteller, the hope is that you can run the gamut of emotions, but on top of that, my hope is that by me being brave enough to share my story, that you then would be brave enough to share your own story. And that doesn't mean you have to write a book. It just means that life is all about stories. And when we share our stories and with, when we interact with, interact with each other's stories, that's when really magical things can happen. So with that being said, write some reviews, get the book. Let's get this episode going. Now, most of the time when I have guests on the podcast, they reach out to me. Once in a while, I'll see somebody doing something and I'll reach out to them. This was one of those situations. Jennifer Grant is an author and Jennifer has done books for adults and she also has written for newspapers. Like she's an author, author. I don't say she's an author like I'm an author. I'm saying like she makes her livelihood as an author. (laughs) She's that kind of author. And The reason I reached out to her is because she not only has written really great books for adults and the one that I recently read was, you know, like a a devotional is a is a book that you usually read just a little bit of it every morning. She wrote a devotional that we'll talk a little bit about. That's actually for the evenings. It's to help you calm yourself before you uh, go to bed at night, which is like brilliant, right? And then on top of that, here's where I got excited. She has written books, several of them, for kids. And they're books for kids about spirituality and about God that do not promote or 
that that don't promote a certain way of thinking about God, but also, but but more importantly, what they do is they promote like the wonder of God, and they promote the questions that come along with a belief in God. So I'm so I I just genuinely enjoyed this interview, and I know you're going to as well. So enjoy my conversation with Jennifer Grant. Well, welcome, Jennifer, to the podcast. So great to uh, to meet you. And I, I love this because um, I just, you know, usually people reach out to me because they're promoting a book or whatever. But I was just kind of noodling around and I, I wish I could tell you like how what I was looking for. But I just found you. And when I just found you, I was like, oh, my goodness, she sounds just lovely. And then I started digging in. And then, you know, some of the projects that you're working on, Dimming the Day, which is basically, uh, you know, kind of a, a devotion to help calm yourself before. I don't even know if I want to call it a devotion. Is that the wrong word, Jennifer? People do call it a devotional Um the, the subtitle of the book is Quiet Meditations. Yes, that's um, better. So quiet medit- or evening meditations for quiet wonder is the yeah. um, subtitle. So it does have Christian content. It does include prayers. It does include mindfulness exercises. Um, and it does include little snippets of, of different pieces of literature, uh, awesome. some, some bits of novels that I love and poems yeah. that I love. So, it's uh, yeah. Um, d- don't uh, go too far. We're gonna get there. Okay. <laughs> so so that's been really fun. For I love you know. I, so I found you and I, and I love that. And I really love um, the work that you've been doing for for kids. And so we're gonna dig into that. So this will be for the listeners out there. Just get ready. We're gonna take you on a little bit of a ride because Jennifer doesn't just write like in one specific area. She has a couple pretty strong areas, both for kids and adults. And so we're gonna kind of cover both of those uh, those spaces because I just I, I'm I'm in love with it all, and I'm so glad I stumbled across you. And we live like two hours from one another, which is rare for me to interview somebody so <laughs> close to home. I could have just come and done it in person. But um, just share a little bit before we get going. Just give give the listeners because they'll be. You know, you'll be new to them for the most part. So just share a little bit about about who you are. If you had, you know, a couple of minutes to just tell a stranger who you are, what would you say? Let's see. So I am Jennifer Grant. I'm an author and an editor, and I live in Chicago. And I sort of split my time between creative work and editorial work. I always have sort of editorial clients that I help to do like deep developmental edits of of manuscripts. And then also I do my own creative work and uh, I've written a number of books for adults and for the last, so probably like five years, I've been focusing a bit more on writing for children. Um, It's always been a dream and a passion of mine to write for kids. Um, I'm a mother of four kids who are now grown. My youngest one is just starting her senior year of college next week. Um, And my oldest is 27. And so What's so funny is I'm, I've been in the habit in the last year or two of saying that I have four young adult children, but I think now that my son Theo is 27, I think probably I can't relegate him to young adult. I have. He's just an adult. He's a plain old adult. adult. He's a plain old adult. (laughs) I know. I couldn't believe it. When he turned 27, it was odd. Yeah. I think they're still young adults. If he's still asking for money, if he's no longer asking for money, then I think we just call him an adult. Okay. He's an adult. Oh, all right. Well, good yeah. job, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I think it's awesome that your kids all, I mean, I'm guessing when you got into children's books was when your last kid pretty much left the house. And then you're like, I think I'll write for little kids now. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, it is a funny thing. I wrote when when they were all quite young. Um, I so they're quite they're close in age. And when they were really young, I wrote a newspaper column about parenting. Um, I've worked as a columnist for about a dozen years. Um, and my last job was with the Chicago Tribune writing about parenting and health issues. And uh, and I could get away with that when they were really young. As they got older and they kind of approached middle school and certainly when they were in high school, I, I knew that I had to stop writing about them because I didn't want them to talk to me. <laughs> and all the kind of things that made me want to like bleach my ears or just kind of I don't know what hide under the covers that they told me would have made great chapters in a book and and great fodder for a newspaper column. But um, I sort of valued, you know, the communication that we had between us more than that. So I sort of shifted away from writing about parenting. My first two books were about parenting and family life. And then I sort of keep keep shifting to different areas of focus. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So let's start by talking about some of your children's work and then we're going to work into especially uh, dimming the day and and some of your work for adults. The So in the Christian space, um, now I grew up Catholic. So for me growing up, you know, I didn't have any cute little Christian books or anything like that. Um, I have raised a couple of kids and when they were young, you know, we uh, we certainly had some of the Christian books, but I always would shy away from them and would much rather give them some of the, you know, those great children's books that we all know and love, like Goodnight Moon and what have you. And I think the reason I always would shy away from overtly Christian uh, children's books is because they were trying to teach an ideology as opposed to helping kids just experience the wonder of God, which my own personal journey is much more a journey of experiencing the wonder of God, being okay with not knowing everything, engaging in nature. Uh, those are some of the things that are really important to me, which is why I wasn't overly interested in some stranger that I don't know, writing a book for my kids, telling them what to believe about God, you know? And that's, 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 honestly, the biggest reason I reached out to you, because when I started hearing about your book specifically, um, you know, I know finding calm in nature isn't an overtly Christian book, but it's a, to me, it's a very spiritual concept and a spiritual idea. Um, what if I can't explain God? That's obviously an overtly uh, faith-based book. But what I love about them, and I was just rereading uh, What If I Can't Explain God right before I jumped on because I just enjoyed it so much. But it, you're writing for kids seems to, and, and you can just correct me if I'm way off base, it just seems to really at least attempt to connect kids to the wonder of God as opposed to trying to explain something about God to them. Am I, am I kind of getting what you're, what you're laying yeah. down there, Jennifer? Yeah. And, and similar to your experience, when my kids were little, I very rarely shared any religious or Christian books with them because, you know, my hope always as a Christian person myself was to um, raise my kids without giving them all this kind of baggage and and toxic ideas about who God is and things that they would have to unravel for the rest of their lives, like I'm sure many of your friends and perhaps you as well have had to do. And so whenever I would find a Christian book and read it, I, I felt kind of allergic to them because they were very preachy, very judgy, very much like almost like using God like a Santa Claus figure to scare kids into behaving themselves, you know, 
Christmas is coming. If you disobey mom and dad, you might not get your present or whatever. I, all of that, I just find really... In Jesus' really, name. In Jesus' name. Exactly. Exactly. No and so... Um, so yeah, I I didn't uh, I didn't like I didn't share very many Christian books with them, but yeah, I feel sometimes yeah. I feel. Can I just share? Yeah, you know, of course, a, a story. <laughs> so I I like you kind of veered away from Christian children's books. I was working at a church once. Just a little side story for everybody here that that just scared me out of my mind for Christian books for kids forever and ever. So I was working at this little Baptist church doing music and uh, and youth stuff or whatever years and years ago when my kids were little because I've got a 17 and a 20 year old. So this is when they were really little. And um, they asked me since I'm a dad of kids, if I would, this is Christmas Eve, if I would read a like Christian kids uh, story, you know, all the kids gather around, it's all going to be adorable and all those kinds of things. And, um, and I feel like this was just like an omen from the universe because I'm reading my, my oldest daughter sits right on my lap is, you know, one of those moments you're like, oh, this is going to be the best moment ever. And I open, I won't say what book it is because a lot of people will know this author and I'm going to, I'm just going to leave him out of it. Okay. And, uh, open the book. I start reading and right in the middle of this beautiful Christmas Eve service with me reading to all the children. And my uh, daughter got a profusely horrible bloody nose right on my lap. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I just view that as like, that was the universe. That was God telling me that none of us should read uh, Christian children's books. That's, you know, right. that's how I'm going. I'm going that route. So, all right, let's get I back. <laughs> I love it. Well, and I have to give a shout out to two of the publishers I've worked with um, who publish Christian books. And one is Beaming Books, who did Finding Calm in Nature. And Beaming Books is a progressive Christian, you know, it's part of a larger publishing empire. Um, but they have their sort of um, whole reason of being is that they want to help children thrive. And that includes um, in their spiritual books, helping kids thrive spiritually. So if you look on that site for Beaming Books and look through their catalog, you will not find toxic Christian books. You will find books that do, as I hope my books do, spark kids' spiritual imaginations and mm -hmm. give them a sense of God's love for them and uh, and help them interact with the world and with their communities in a really healthy way. And so that Beaming Books is fantastic. So if any parents are listening and they want spiritual books that are healthy and generative and, um, and things that will encourage conversation and questions and and, and imagination about the divine, I suggest, you know, look at Beaming Books. Um, also, the other one that I've worked with that I really love is Church Publishing. They have an imprint called Morehouse, and I'm Episcopalian. Church Publishing is the Episcopal Church's publishing arm, and I've published a few books with them as well. And again, they are very committed to inclusive and progressive and beautiful uh, stories for children and and Christian content, sometimes very overtly Christian content. I wrote a, a book about prayer for them um, called Sing, Wrestle, Spin. And um, and that book is a very different take on prayer for kids who are like 8 to 11 years old. So there are they are out there, maybe in a way that um, such books were not as available when you and I had really little kids. Yeah. And that's I think that's why I was so excited about finding your work is simply we're we're starting to see this and and I've been in this space you know my whole christian life i guess i'll call it which i don't have 
you know, again, I grew up Catholic. My first thing I ever wanted to be was a priest. And, you know, I've, I like spirituality has always been a big thing for me. As I mentioned to you, you know, I found that in nature. I found that in just going inside of the Catholic church that I grew up in and just like, just looking around. And I just, I loved all of it. So it was, it was all about the wonder of God. And, um, and then, you know, eventually went into the more evangelical space when I was a, a young, an actual young adult and stayed there for a long time. And I think that's the space where I was frustrated was when I was in that space. And so I'm pretty excited that now here we are, you know, boy, uh, 20 years past that. And we're starting to see not just little, little bits and pieces of really strong faith-based literature for, for both kids and adults, but mm-hmm. quite a bit of it. And it seems like it's like the the faucet got turned on in these last maybe five years mm-hmm. where where we're starting to see publishers, some independent publishers, some big publishers saying, yeah, this is a space we need to be. Um, because none of us, you know, a lot of us, when we've had toxic situations in our spiritual uh, experience, the temptation is to want to run away. But most of us find that fleeting, you know, and most of us are like, okay, I tried that. That was worse. So how now do I engage in faith in a meaningful, um, and in my case, progressive, and I'm sure your case that way as well, in generative way, that's, that's, that's awesome. And then how do we do that with our kids and young adults and teenagers, you know, everything. And so it's exciting to start seeing this come out. And the reason, again, why I'm I'm really appreciative of, you, of your books is even some of the progressive space in Christianity are just creating new lines of the same things with different answers, you know, right. and I'm not really interested right. in that. I'm not interested yeah. in your answers because we're talking about the God of the universe who none of us can see. So I'm, I'm much less interested in you telling me what's right and wrong. And I'm much more interested in you helping me engage in stories and in nature and in dialogue that just like opens all of our hearts and minds up to what's possible. Absolutely. Well, as an Episcopalian, I can tell you our little tagline is enter the great conversation. And that's Uh, I should become an Episcopalian. This sounds like a good deal. Um, I, I have been known to, uh, to draw people toward our church for sure. Yeah, but, um, that's great. but yeah, but that whole invitation, it's such a gentle, I love seeing that on signs. You know, if you drive by an Episcopal church, you'll probably see most of them have red doors, which is symbolic of wel- welcome and, um, and also have signs that say all are welcome. And some of those signs say, and by all we mean all. Right. And also you see, um, You'll also see pride flags. You'll also see all kinds of symbols and signs that show that we're a really inclusive and loving church. But also you'll also see that uh, little line, enter the great conversation. And Mm. it's just, I love that invitation. And I love, you know, to your point about giving answers to people about their spiritual journeys. That's more saying, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah, you know, because so, through the conversation, you might find an answer that you need, but it's not because you entered into the conversation wanting to get me to believe something. It's because right. I uh, I was talking to another young man for this podcast earlier this week and, and just talked about how when our stories intersect, like we learn things from one another, not because we're trying to teach things, but just because we're allowing ourselves to run into one another, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's such a, a beautiful thing. How did you get into writing in the first place? Where did that come from? Was that like a childhood thing or where did, yeah, where did you it find really it? was. Um, so my mom, both of my parents wrote different things. And as a little girl, um, I, you know, probably in the womb, I heard typewriters clicking, you know, clicking away. 
Um, but I've always wanted to be a writer. So as a little, as, as a little kid, I would just, you know, write on notebook paper and draw little pictures and it's always what I wanted to do. And so when I went to college, I studied English literature and creative writing. I went to grad school and got my master's in um, English and with a minor, well, I had two minors, but one was creative writing and one was critical theory. But following that, I taught English for a little while. Um, and then really from decided that I didn't want to go into kind of an academic life. And so um, I've had every sort of writing job that you can imagine over the course of my career. And so I've written, I've worked for nonprofits and written annual reports and written institutional stories and written donor reports. And I've written, you know, newspaper articles and, you know, fiction and poetry and things for kids. And so um, I once heard Garrison Keillor at a conference say that any writing is um, makes you a better writer. And I really believe that. And so um you know, I've written every sort of nonfiction and fiction that one can imagine. <laughs> that's, Other than that's graphic amazing. novel, because I'm not a visual artist, but yeah, yeah. Well, maybe don't try <laughs> to tackle that then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so. I've got a a friend of mine who um, she's a, as a career as an, an as an author, and she loves writing poetry and she loves writing books, but she makes her money writing emails for people. <laughs> You know, it's like, do what you do to make it work as long as you get to do what you love to do. So, yeah. And it all builds your, your skill set and it all helps you develop your voice and, you know, it all is worth something. Yeah. So good. My youngest August uh, wrote her first 17 now, but wrote the first book, I think 14 years old, self-published a a book and then did it again when at 15, now working on the third one and is going to go to school next year for English. Um, so Mm -hmm. following, following in footsteps similar to your own. And so Mm -hmm. so I love, I I recommend it. I recommend it to her. It's a really good life. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's, let's, um, transition a little bit. I think, uh, dimming, dimming the day is, is the book. It's a meditation. It's definitely not a devotional, very different. (laughs) It's a, it's a beautiful, um, work. And, and I, as I was telling you, I found a lot of this work for morning meditations and, you know, I've used a lot of different kinds of books for that in my own life. I don't know why, maybe I'm just a little dense, but I've never in my life considered like an evening meditation. It's never like been a thing I've attempted. It's never been a thing I've considered. And then you sent me a PDF of your book and I just naturally assumed that it was going to be something for a morning meditation. And I opened it in the morning. And I was like, oh shoot, I got to wait till tonight to do this, <laughs> which I did because I wanted to get the right feel for it. But to me, it just makes so much sense. And I love how you openly talk about the anxiety that many of us deal with and uh, just the the running that goes on in our minds. And th- that's why the title is so perfect because, you know, I find myself, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm a person that necessarily deals with anxiety on a level that I know a lot of people do. That's really, really hard. Um, but I do get anxious a lot. And a lot of times that anxiety will show up at the end of the day when I'm processing the day. And then if I don't, you know, if I don't process the day well, and I wake up at two in the morning, I'm going to be up for a couple of hours because my mind is so active. And, um, and so I'm so appreciative of this work because I'm, I'm betting I'm not alone. Yeah, no, you're not alone at all. And, and our habits, you know, our current habits of like, you wake up at two in the morning and then start scrolling on your 
phone or doom scrolling, <laughs> which there's been a lot of doom scrolling to be had the last few years. But um, yeah, the the kind of hope for for my readers of this book is just that instead of doing all that, they can focus on something bigger than them, um, which is all the natural world. And and I write about mangrove forests and hummingbirds and you know all different things in this book. I don't know how far you've gotten, but um, redwood trees and clouds and and things that exist and are beautiful and are part of you know the natural world that can clear our minds and there's that wonderful sense um i'm trying to remember what uh which chapter i wrote about it in but um in oh yeah the overview effect which is that effect that when when people who um have traveled in space when they return to the earth they talk about the fact that their whole perspective has shifted having seen the earth from afar and it helps to remember how little we are it helps to remember how how big and timeless even a beautiful tree that you see outside is and or a redwood tree or you know so many things in nature and it helps to both keep us from taking ourselves too seriously but also kind of appreciate and savor and cherish the life we have so this book i hope will do that for readers i've i've gotten great feedback about that of people feeling both very small but also very special while reading it and thinking about these things in nature yeah i think when i think about so for me that's i think why i connect with the the book so well is because for me if i'm if i'm up in my head if i'm stressed out the best thing i can do is like drop a kayak in a river somewhere or get on a bicycle or go cross countries whatever just get away from civilization for a bit and just engage with nature and so the way that you do it by connecting with nature like for me you know i can only speak for myself is absolute perfection you know you couldn't have done it any better mm-hmm. and and you're yeah you're so right i just my wife and i for our 25th anniversary went out to california and we saw the redwoods for the first time and in oh, wow. the the feeling yeah i mean you you just described it really well there's a feeling of being overwhelmed by the vastness there's a feeling of feeling small but then there's also this feeling of being connected to it you know i and and that's what nature does it allows you to feel like you're a part of something so magical and special but also allows you to see that you're just a piece of that you know you're 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 not in control of it you are just a, a piece right. of the greater whole and some of these worries that bounce around in our heads at two and three in the morning if if instead we focus on you know, the roots of a tree or things that are real and true in nature and that are beautiful, those, some of those little worries can bounce away or just be dissipated, you know, when we are focusing on things that are beautiful and that have always been beautiful. Yeah. And I know, like, I've talked to a lot of people where what we stress out about are things that likely aren't even going to happen there are mm-hmm. things that are somewhere in the future and so um when we think about nature and we think about the redwood trees or the oceans or the forest these things that are are timeless like literally timeless um mm-hmm. we can see that you know okay these pieces of nature have always been there so why do we think our stupid little issue is going to ruin us right and right. um so the thing i've gotten in the habit of saying if i'm you know if i'm just mulling on something and i try to catch myself even if it's in the middle of the night i just say right now today i'm good like i'm i'm taken care of 
There's mm-hmm. a couple bucks in the bank. There's a roof over my head. I've got a job, whatever, you know, whatever I'm stressing out about, you know, I'll just identify that. Okay. I'm stressing out about tomorrow, but mm-hmm. today, today we're good. You know, and that's even biblical. I used to love, there's a verse in Matthew that talked about, you know, tomorrow has enough worries of its own, you know, right. focus on today. I'm okay. If I'm worrying about today, there's probably things I should be worrying about today, but tomorrow will come tomorrow, you know? Absolutely. Well, and I do think it's helpful and I do suggest several in this book. Um, it is helpful to have like a mantra that you, that you develop that really means something to you, but that you can just focus on your breathing and focus on these true words and repeat them. And that can be sometimes the best way to get back to sleep. If you're feeling, you know, bothered by these thoughts banging around in your head. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I found helpful is just breathing, you know, and I think, even thinking about nature in the way that you do it in the book also kind of helps you connect with that and breath connects with nature as well. You know, those are a couple of things that have been helpful for me. All right. What's, what's coming out? What are we working on right now? Well, um, so the book, what if I can't explain God, um, which is a picture book. So my first, my first book for kids, um, which was beaming books again, uh, is called, um, maybe God is like that too. Hmm. And it's, it's the story of a little boy who is, um, who's growing up with his grandmother. We don't, I mean, I know why I, I wrote the backstory, but it's not part of the story, but, um, and he says, and they're living in, I actually modeled it after the Chelsea neighborhood in New York, which is a neighborhood I've spent a lot of time in. And so it's little boy in the city looking around and saying, wow, I see a lot of different people. Um, but I've never seen God. And the grandmother suggests to him that, and it's, it's, it's obviously playing on the verses in Galatians of the fruit of the spirit, but the grandmother says, whenever you see joy, God is there whenever you see love. And so as this little boy goes through his day, he kind of, he sees someone being kind to someone else, or he's swinging on the swings at school and feels joy and says, maybe God is like that too. And so it's kind of a refrain throughout the book. And um, I wrote another maybe maybe book for Beaming Books as well called Maybe I Can Love My Neighbor Too. But this new one, What If I Can't Explain God, um, is kind of a companion piece to those in a way mm. in that it's about a little girl who has questions about God and who who asks the grownups in her life. And nobody gives her a very good answer about what is God like or who is God. Can, and, can I just read you know, the first page for everybody? Yeah, yeah, sure. Says when they taught. So this is a little girl and she's adorable, by the way, whoever your illustrator is. Oh, love I know. It. I love what she did. Yeah. Uh, says when they talk about God, sometimes they say words like outside of time or everywhere all at once. They say Trinity and one and three and three and one. I don't get it. I ask again and they shrug and say, God is hard to explain, but I already know that. <laughs> I love that line. I already know that. So mm-hmm. good. And then it just goes on and and kind of describe, you know, she goes through the story and explain, talks about other things that aren't explainable and how she's okay with them. And that's kind of the beauty of the, you know, kind of the arc of the story, which is so beautiful. Um, where did you, where, where did this idea come from? Well, initially I was, I was thinking about the Trinity. Um, I, we, I actually have, uh, two little girls who are sort of like God children or God daughters to me. And they, um, usually visit us in the summers in August, sometimes for weeks. And so, um, I got this idea after they had been visiting with us and one of them who was, I think that summer around six years old, just constantly asked questions about everything. She was one of those kind of 
precocious, delightful, chatty kids who wanted to know what everything was and what's this made of and what's that. And, you know, it was just, it was so fun. And for me as a person whose kids are much older now, I was, you know, if you're the mom of a child like that and you have multiple children and they're all asking questions all day, that's a different experience than if you have a lovely little visitor who's asking all these questions because you can really focus and it's really delightful and helps you remember what it was like to be little, you know, yourself. But anyway, after a visit a few summers ago, I, I just was so taken with her curiosity and, and reminded of how kids see the world in such a different way than we do. Um, there's a line in that book about um, one thing she doesn't, this kid doesn't understand in addition to who, you know, what is God? She doesn't understand how her parents knew it was her when she was born because they had never met her before. And this little kid that had been staying with us didn't say that, but she said interesting things like that, that reminded me that kids, you know, A, are really literal and B, just have a completely different lens through which they see the world. And so, um, so I, and this family are Christians. And so some, at some point there was some discussion of the Trinity and I saw this kid kind of look a little like askance she didn't actually ask about it, but I thought that would be interesting to try to write about the Trinity. So the book, the germ of the story was going to be about the Trinity, but just like everyone else, I can't explain that. <laughs> and um, every book, actually, you know, all the Christian books about it either try to make it seem like it's so it's so simple and we should all understand this. You know, it's like waters in three different you know forms, or like um, you know a clover, or like an apple seed and an apple and a peel like, and all those things, if we're honest, really don't help us understand the Trinity at all. So, um, so this book kind of evolved from that. Cause I thought I really don't have any, I have nothing to add to that. And I don't like all those really simple pat answers that you're supposed to tell children about what is the Trinity. Um, so, uh, so it kind of developed more into this person, this little kid, asking questions about so many different things and um and then just coming to terms with the fact that the divine isn't really we can't explain god and that's okay and yeah. um we can't explain a lot of things we can't ex she can't explain why drinking you know soda pop makes her want to laugh and sneeze at the same time like all these you know we can't explain so many things about our experience or about the divine and so it's kind of a against i love when i'm working on kids books especially ones that have christian content just trying to write books that will invite conversation and so at the end of this book i could see a parent or a grandparent or a guardian or a librarian or whomever saying to the child well what do you think you know instead mm -hmm. of i'm not trying to give them an answer and you know believe this i'm trying to um invite conversation yeah, so good. Okay, I asked you a question. I didn't let you finish about what what you're working on. And now this book, oh, yeah. this book is is currently out, coming out. I'm sorry, I'd, yeah, I should know no, this, right? Our, no. What if I can't explain God? Will come out in October. So okay, so it's you're on one of its, its way. First readers, yeah. Oh, so, I feel um, so honored. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll yeah, we'll have to um, maybe we'll connect. Well, boy, now I'm now I'm wondering 
I'll wait until like the end of September to put this episode out for everybody. So people listening right wow. now, it's going to be the end of September. So you're going to hear this coming out in October, and then you're going to get really excited to go get it. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so the other work I'm doing right now is uh, I do have some editorial clients that I work with. Um, kind of, I do developmental editing and ghostwriting and things like that. And um, and I am I'm also working on a little. I've never done this before, but I really want to. I'm working on a new little easy reader series. So for oh. children who are just becoming readers themselves, and it's a completely different sort of category in children's literature. In that um, picture books are often for adults to read to children. Although of course, as they learn to read, they can then read them themselves. But the easy reader category is more like for little kids to build their confidence. And I have such passion about literacy and I, I read studies about, you know, how, you know, in these post COVID years and so on, um, teachers and students are really struggling with read with, you know, getting to be strong readers. And so, um, so I've had this idea of a little series that would be a beginning reader book uh, series that would, I hope encourage literacy. I'm a literacy volunteer. So I'm always like, looking to see what the children are choosing when we read together. And I can see that there's a space for this, you know, that this is a category in children's lit that um, can do a lot of good. So, So I bought a book that has like the word lists for different grade levels so that it aligns with what they'll be learning at school and the high frequency words and all that. So I'm sort of delving into that, this new, I've written a number, of picture books but now i'm sort of delving into this new category in children's lit and it's really fun that's awesome i love it well thank you for all the work that you do um everybody should go out and and check out the books that are already out and get ready for the the new release coming up best place to go to uh, purchase your books is to your website yeah if you go on jennifergrant.com there is a um there are links to how to purchase those books or learn more about them um yeah or from the publisher or wherever you like to buy your books i love a little independent bookstore yeah. in Traverse city michigan called brilliant books oh, and nice. they ship, yeah they ship books anywhere so that's my go-to when i'm buying books online so or just oh, that's so great. Your, order them from your independent bookstore yeah absolutely nowhere but you know that's yes. it's <laughs> So you're a per- last question. You're a person who has managed to carve a career out of your passion. Uh, you know, a lot of people I run into, um, if they're struggling, they're struggling because maybe they haven't managed to do that, or they're struggling to just live out some of the passions that they have in life. So as a person who's pulled this off in rather beautiful ways and is making creating work that's that really matters, um, what would your advice be to somebody who? You know, it doesn't have to be writing, but they have this thing. They have this thing that rolls around. It's the thing that keeps them up at night, which is why they need dimming the day. But mm-hmm. what would you say are some of the first steps for somebody taking that thing in their mind and their heart and then just taking that step forward to, to start creating a, a reality for themselves? Then it doesn't need to be a career. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think listening um, to your passions is really important. I, I do believe that um, I remember years ago feeling like, and I'm not a jealous, I wouldn't describe one of my vices as jealousy, but I, I I heard of someone who was publishing a book for kids and I felt this little like stone in my throat, you know, a little anger, a little jealousy. And I thought, 
ooh, I should pay attention to that. That probably means that this is something I really want to do. And so um, I think I think paying attention and knowing what those passions are and maybe writing it down and being intentional, like the thing I've always wanted to do is X. And just not standing, I mean, I talk with a lot of writers, so it's often people who say, I've always wanted to write a book or I've always wanted to write for children. And instead of actually doing it, they talk, you know, they they get kind of lost in negative self-talk around like, but I can't, or I, you know, you know, they, I'm not good enough or whatever. And so I always encourage people just to do it and to put yourself in spaces where you can be around other people who are doing it. Um, for any anyone listening who might want to write for children, I would suggest that you join the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, which anyone can join. You don't have to be a published author. And start putting yourself in those spaces. See see what other people are doing. Talk with other people who are doing that work. And, you know, sort of live into it. Because, you know, that passion, if, it, if it's not going away, it's not going away. So you might as well you know, dig into it and give it a try, take a risk and not um, get locked up in. um, Unfortunately, this is what I I mean. Honestly, I see this so often with writers that they just don't, they're afraid of failure or afraid that what they have to say is not of of any use. And, you know, that kind of self-talk is really not helpful. So, Maybe yeah. first figure out what that passion is and then maybe try to put yourself in spaces where other people are doing that work and listen to them, ask questions and rub shoulders with other people who are doing it, go to conferences and so on. Yeah, I, I think sort of writing specific, but that's who mm-hmm. I normally speak with. That's okay. That's 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 your zone. So you should speak writing specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think sometimes because a lot of us our passions lie in the arts. I find that to be mm-hmm. true of a lot of people. And, um, you know, depending on what our normal space is in the world, sometimes that feels, I don't know why, uncomfortable or embarrassing to some people to say, oh, I've got this dream. Maybe everybody knows you as an engineer, but you've got right. this dream to write a children's book or to record a song or something like that. Yeah. And you're worried yeah. that people are going to think that it, it doesn't matter as much as like what you do for your normal life, but it matters to you. And there's something like you said, listen to that thing that, that doesn't go away. One of the best things that um, I, I was one of those people that wanted to write a book and, and finally pulled that off and got it published with Lake, Lake Drive Books last year. And one of the best things that happened to help that be accomplished is my wife bought me a writing desk and she did like what she does. She makes made it really adorable and awesome and inspiring. And so every day that I was walking around the house, that desk was just sitting there waiting for me. And I've got another, my, my friend who um, does the Celtic way podcast and the artistic director for Celtic way, he wanted this, and this is a little bit different, but, but in so many ways, the same, he wanted prayer to be more of a normal part of his life. And so he and his wife set up a prayer station in their house. So every time he goes on his way into his bedroom, he passes this little place, you know, it's all set, waiting for yeah, him. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. If you've got, yeah, if you've got that passion, you know, just, you know, what's one thing you can do to change your environment, to create a space for you to live out that passion. You know, I've I've talked to musicians who they're like, just leave the guitar out of the case. Mm -hmm. So it's one less step you have to take, you know, and like you said, rub shoulders. Yeah. So, or even, even do five minutes a day. That's another thing people say to me is, you know, I don't have time to write. And with some clients I've said, okay, 
how about five minutes, five days a week? And what often happens is the person will, will set aside five minutes and happily it'll become an hour. They'll get into flow and so on, yeah. but if just do the five minutes. It's like leaving the guitar out or making yeah. the, you know, anyway, it's, I would say start with little baby steps and do I it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm excited to continue to see what you've got going on. We'll do it again in the future. And uh, good luck with the new book release and everything else you've got going on. And I just really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Ah, such a great human, right? Special thanks to Jennifer Grant for joining the show. If you want to find out more about Jennifer, order any of her books, just go to her website, which is jennifergrant.com. And keep track of what she's doing. Order all of her books. Do it. I mean, it's just awesome. I love it. The fact that she's got the URL, jennifergrant.com, shows she's been doing this for a while and she's got it figured out. Hey, uh, don't ever want to forget that if you want to support the work that I'm doing, not just on this podcast, but speaking out there in this big, bad world, just go onto the website and on the homepage, there's an opportunity where you can join the home team for $25 a month and support the work of Bring It Home. And here's the thing. If you do that this week, I will send you a free autographed copy of Bring It Home. All right, until next time, let's keep telling our stories. Let's keep intersecting with each other's stories and keep living this life out in the best possible way that you can even imagine by just living your life, telling your story and living right in the center of your purpose. Mm -hmm.